It's April 1st, 2018. You're listening to Fancy Ramen. I'm Neil. And I'm Scott. Happy Easter. Wait, April Fools. It's not Easter. A- wait, April wait, Fools. Wait, April Fools again. It, it is. is Easter. And oh. April Fools. First off, a uh, get well soon to Cookie, who is sick with uh, food poisoning, even though he won't listen to this, so it, that goes wasted. No, get well now, Cookie. That that's a bit of a demand. I mean, don't you feel bad for expecting so much out of him? Less of a condolence and more of a demand. Yes. Um. No, I don't. I, I know that he can work miracles, and so I, I have I have faith and confidence in him. But yeah, sadly, he won't be joining us for today's recording. Um. As far as we can confirm, he has food poisoning. And by or food it's poisoning, another prank. He oh. It could be an April Fool's, and he could be in the room with me right now. No, he's not. Look out. He's behind you. Oh, okay. Uh, It could be brown bag flu, for all we know. Have you heard that term before? I Doesn't that refer to, like, uh, being really hungover? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, it's It's both funny, but it also seems like it insinuates a pretty, like, kind of dark perspective also when we uh when we were playing some online games yesterday we uh he had received the invite and said he was partying yesterday which i'm assuming was partying in which case we never heard from him again until this morning saying that he would not make it because he was sick Uh uh-oh that that story lines up unfortunately looks like we got hoodwinked I've I've never gone to a party of cookies before, and I feel Neither bad. Neither have I. I feel bad for that reason, but I'm just not really a big drinker or party goer at this point. So I like I I don't know if I will, but I really wonder how wild they get. I used to enjoy a lot of house parties in college, but that was about the only time in my life that I did that. Didn't do it before then and afterward haven't really had the uh inclination to do it anymore either i'm like a small gathering kind of guy i like to have 10 or less people or maybe just a little bit more than 10 in a space and i'm more than satisfied with that the type of thing where you can feel like you you actually can connect with everyone at the party or most of the people Exactly. Yeah. I, I kind of assumed that, um, especially when I hosted parties like that or when I went to them, I kind of wanted it to be um, a situation in which I could interact with everybody at the party. That's much better than like, I don't know, it's weird to go to a party and then, you know, have someone else who goes to the party and you may never have an interaction the whole time. Like that, that's always just been odd to me. I get it. It makes total sense. Everybody lives independent lives, and even though you're in the same like physical space, sometimes that's not enough of a reason for you to have like overlapping experiences. But it's just interesting to me. And for me, it's it's kind of this. I dislike not being invited having... to parties, and I know that's hard too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I dislike having that whole expectation from people. Uh, in general, that you're supposed to go and mingle with, mingle with others uh, 
Neil's Even, least favorite part about parties is talking to people is what I'm getting out of this. Well, it, it's the expectation to always have to talk to people. And it's like, sometimes I just don't necessarily want to meet new people. You just want to pet their dog. Or talk awkwardly to their dog. I get that. No, I it, yeah, it's just like, okay, I, I went to this party because a person I know invited me but I'm not interested in knowing that person's friends and stuff. Yeah, I get that. What's the, uh, out of curiosity, what's the uh, last memory you have of actually partying pretty hard, Neil? Going to a music video release for a song that I had recorded and blacking out. Oh, holy shit. Okay. Uh, I've never gotten to that point of drunkness, but my, uh, probably my, most recent and recent is uh i guess i don't know if that necessarily counts for it anymore i was probably late 21 or 22 i remember going to a house party and um hanging out having a bunch of fun and then i stood up and went whoa i'm way too drunk and had to like just sit right back down and on the car ride home it was one of those like pull over i need to immediately vomit in the field kind of situations yeah and that, and <laughs> I was just like, oh, yeah, this isn't for me. Like, drinking is fun, but I actually can't handle the consequences afterward. So I, I do feel the need to elaborate to that. It's not like I was just getting like shit faced drunk for no reason. Uh, I, mean, I was there, there was that, but I'm sure our viewers have a much more sinister picture of you in yes. their head. Uh, there, there was obviously no reason, but it was just a matter of like not realizing because I, I, I don't drink often at all. Um, you, so you have those weak alcohol processing genes. Uh, no, I mean, I think I have a tolerance under the right circumstances, but like, I don't think I had anything to eat that day. This is when I was working like freelance. So I was oh, always yeah. very tight on money and it's just stomach like, will do it. Yeah, I just happened to not have anything other than maybe oatmeal in the morning and suddenly it's night and it's like, oh, like whiskey sours apparently wreak havoc on you when you haven't had anything to eat. I, I generally like don't drink much these days at all. But I, I will say just on the side, uh, immediately after saying I don't drink much, I did uh, pick up a new beer uh, this past week called Stiegel or Steigel or something like that and it's called a Rattler uh, but it's basically like a, a grapefruit shandy and the alcohol content is something like 3.4% pretty low it's known as a sessionable beer what is a sessionable beer uh, sessionable normally means that oh I've had this Stiegel stuff sorry I just happened to look that up um uh, sessionable beer is going to be, um, now I need to Google definition to make sure I don't screw this up, but, but sessional, uh, session, wow. Okay. I'm losing it. Sorry. Sessionable under the definition that I understand it as is, um, something that is normally a lower alcohol content and like pretty, easy to uh i guess easy to drink a couple of them so let's see yeah that that sounds about right uh it 
when I was yeah, drinking I, it, alcohol content is uh, below five percent. Um, probably best below at four percent. Wouldn't unexpectedly get you drunk or anything like that. Oh, so that's interesting because uh, then wouldn't Guinness also be considered considered one? Um, because I think Guinness is at four percent. Yeah, I guess so. It's, um, I mean, like Bud Light is sessionable in a way, I guess. You know what I mean? Like you can have quite a few and it's normally not super heavy. It's, it's like, it's something that you can drink more than one of, I guess. Uh, I, I just looked up, is Guinness draft the most sessionable session beer? And one reply said, three years living outside of Dublin, and I never met anyone under 50 who enjoyed more than one Guinness before switching to something else. The Guinness shits was the number one reason I was given. Comes out the way it goes in, mostly black liquid with a little white foamy head on top. Oh, oh, gross. Uh, For reference, (laughs) I have multiple uh, pints of Guinness when I do, like, have a night out usually, since it's so low on content. Uh, I remember you bringing, yeah, I remember you bringing uh, Guinness on a couple occasions. I also remember you bringing Sapporo, which I love me those uh, Asian style beers quite a bit. Yeah, Kieran's also fan of Sapporo. Kieran Ichiban, that's also really good. Um, Asahi is okay in a pinch. Oh, so that that Stiegel or Steigel beer, uh, Radler specifically is pretty fantastic purely from the fact that it kind of reminds me of like a less sweet version of fresca yeah oh yeah i've had this it's a I, it's a good beer i like it it's very uh it's very fruity and like easy to drink i may have actually even drank one of these um that night that i was talking about having to have the uh feet like the little field uh detour <laughs> I, I'm kind of bummed that a uh, cookie, cookie had to sit this one out because I was planning on bringing the two uh, remaining ones I had from the four pack I bought, so he could he could try one too. But I doubt they're gonna make it next week, so I might just have to pick up more. Uh, that aside, anything exciting happened this week for you? The Easter brunch that I made with my family earlier today was uh, pretty awesome, though. A little unorthodox in some of the food items. Actually, there was just one food item that stuck out to me. I'm going to give you the list. I'm going to let you guess which one it was that I thought maybe didn't fit the rest. We had um, some caramel pecan rolls that we made last night that we baked. We had a sort of egg bake or egg casserole. We did biscuits and gravy. Um, We made a like chopped fruit salad. And... I'm trying to think, was there anything else that we did on top of that? There was bacon, and then um, we had spring rolls. I remember you telling me last night, actually, about the spring rolls. So what, right. what prompted you guys to make it? Make oh, it. the bacon? Yeah, I know. It's pretty unorthodox ah. to have that with a brunch. But uh, the spring rolls were for Sierra, since she's, since she's a um, veggie eater and uh, can't have any sort of meat. Spring rolls are a good kind of fun but high labor food to make for her. So 
We did that. And when I say spring rolls, it's a pretty much the same recipe you'd encounter at like I guess any Vietnamese place, just not with like shrimp in it. Instead it's cucumber and carrot and peppers and then the vermicelli noodles and cilantro and little green onion in there with like a sweet chili sauce or soy sauce. Um but yeah, that was just <laughs> when everybody was loading up their plates this morning. They were like, oh, you're not going to have any? You worked so hard to make those. And I was like, well, it doesn't really seem like a breakfast food to me, so I'll have to pass. <laughs> <laughs> I hope there's still here, or I hope there's still a couple around. I actually didn't eat any, but I was hoping to enjoy some later. But yeah, that's about it. I don't know. I haven't done much else. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to a three-day weekend. I actually have tomorrow off, so... Oh, nice. Trying to fi- figure out what I'm going to do with that. I thought about going out to uh, visit Glacier National Park, but um, Sierra's got something to do in town, and so I didn't want to leave her behind for the whole day. So we'll do something together instead around town. What about you, Neil? What have you been up to? Work and work and work. Have you still been putting in like. I'm not putting hours? in the crazy hours I did the week before, which. Uh, Hopefully doesn't happen again for a little while at least. Uh but I'm I'm still putting in some some extra work here and there. And because I've had a little extra free time, I've been spending that uh doing some editing. So I think the overcooked episodes will finally get out and you'll get to see what kind of shit fest it is playing uh overcooked with those guys. Enough of the small talk though. Have you been playing any video games this week? Oh yeah. I put in probably another uh, another four or five hours into Nino Cooney, and I just hit that point in which uh, a lot of JRPGs and RPG-like games branch out into um, offering a plethora of side quests to the point where you can get really tracked or sidetracked from the main storyline. And un- I don't want to say unfortunately necessarily. But side quests aren't necessarily my normal focus or forte. But in order to improve your town, because you also do this like um, kingdom building simulation that's pretty fun to establish and then further develop your kingdom over time, you need citizens. And to recruit citizens, you normally need to perform a side quest of some sort to get them. There are easy ways to get citizens. There's... um, one character that you can interact with that you can essentially run like small errands for and that's normally supplying like a set number of items and then they give you tokens that you can later then spend on other um on recruiting other characters to your kingdom otherwise there are other more specialized uh characters that have a little bit more of a storyline sometimes pretty in-depth um other times something very simple uh, normally with some sort of dialogue or interaction that makes you care about this character and the side quest. And then you perform it for them and convince them to join you in your kingdom. And it just feels really weird to, uh, I guess, poach citizens from other kingdoms. Like, happy citizens of one kingdom. I'm like, come to mine. It's better. <laughs> and that's about all the sales pitch they need is... uh you know, I do them one favor and then they're like, I'm going to uproot my whole life and move to Evermore, this uh, 
kingdom that is literally just built with uh, a lot of logs currently and in the middle of nowhere. So well, hold hold up. Is it is there any sort of a reason that you do so kind of like in Zelda when you're recruiting people for Terrytown? Um yeah, I mean my reason as uh playing the ruler Evan is to recruit people to my kingdom so it's actually functioning. And their reason is their good old pioneer spirit. They're all like trying to uh, either perfect their craft. So I get a lot of people who are like graduated apprentices from one thing or another that then I can put in charge of something in my kingdom. Or I just do them a favor and then they decide that um, I'm such a benevolent ruler that they'd like to live under my rule. Okay, so they at least create some sort of justification as shallow as it might be i mean some of them are very shallow and other ones aren't and there's actually one there's one character that i will be recruiting in gold paw because they seem like they could be valuable but only in a game sense like if i weren't metagaming or considering their value as um you know like a unit to be used in my kingdom building I would never invite this person to my kingdom. I'd honestly probably have them banned from visiting because they're a no-good busybody. So, that I don't know. Line it's, gets it's crossed. Interesting. Yeah, it's always interesting when, when like to, a game mechanic justifies overlooking like a moral decision, I guess. Yeah, this character... Um, it, I don't feel like I really need to be vague, but I also don't feel like going into huge detail. This character is essentially trying to be a guard for the city of Goldpaw, but really they're just like an annoying nuisance that is um, a little overzealous about performing the duties of a guard, asking for like documentation when people enter the city, but the documentation doesn't exist or spying on a couple because they must be spies if they're standing so close to one another. And then finally, um, like gathering intel about someone that they think is corrupt because their gut tells them so. And I'm just like, you would be a truly abysmal guard, but <laughs> it looks like this quest wants me to make you the head of my security. <laughs> so I guess I'll do that because it looks like you have some benefit or bonus and I could use your skills but in actuality, if I were running any sort of kingdom, you would probably be one of the most problematic people to employ. So, I don't know. The character writing in the game is, is really good. I mean, that's, that's to be expected with uh, a game like this. I already knew from the first, uh, first couple minutes, like with the, with the tutorial part of the game, that the character writing was probably going to be pretty good. It's like I said, sappy and cheesy at sometimes, but overall emotional and, uh, you know, like touching when it needs to be and humorous at other times. So your characters, even if they are annoying or a problem, at least are interesting. They're not like absolutely bland. So that's a plus, I guess, in my book. Yeah, I don't think... I don't know if they necessarily intend or if like a lot of these games intend to make annoying characters or dislikable characters. And it's probably a case to case scenario, but 
I still enjoy having characters I dislike more than characters I have no opinion of or are bored of. I would agree. Uh, to be able to elicit a reaction from the player, whether it's positive or negative, is better writing than not being able to elicit any sort of response. Right. Absolutely. Uh, it, and I don't know, maybe it's good that there's a balance between characters that you do and don't like. Like, if antagonists are the only characters you dislike, why are all of your other characters so likable or lacking in, I guess, diversity of impact or appeal? I think it's okay to have people I don't like in my town. I'm just not going to talk to them. I'm going to put them to work and reap the benefits of their labor. If he lets you upgrade your sword to like another level, then even if he's, he's an asshole. He's worth it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that's really uh, stuck out to me playing more Nino Kuni 2. Maybe since I've played last, I've gotten to play these challenging monster fights, which are pretty cool. I like that um, sometimes in JRPGs, it seems like if you don't, reach the uh recommended level you're to perform a quest or a side quest you pretty much like sol or at least that has been my experience in some jrpgs is like it's more of a recommended minimum to even be able to do damage or have the right equipment to deal with some enemies in this game i find that i'm constantly uh trying to deal with uh i guess quests and other conflicts that are above my level on their recommended settings and coming out just fine as long as I make sure I keep my wits about me in whatever the challenge is. I don't know of any other games that I've played that necessarily have like just challenge monsters or bosses kind of hidden around that are beefed up versions of the normal ones but that also uh like when you defeat them, always have like a reward behind them. It's kind of like having small elements of a bonus dungeon scattered across the overworld, which is a nice touch as well. Yeah, uh, I can only think of the like the remastered original Final Fantasy game, like that bonus dungeon um, that you go through at the very end of the game is kind of in the same aspect where like you're encountering a bunch of enemies that you've already encountered before but they're buffed to a much larger degree so it's kind of like working with the same tactical approach but at a much more extreme like risk reward how far uh how much more time do you think you need to put into it before you beat it probably a lot um evan's goal as leader of evermore is to prevent war um, in whatever, I guess not continent, in the world of Nino Kuni. And uh, at first I thought he was going to do so by conquering every other kingdom and bringing them under one banner. But it looks like there's a slightly um, more diplomatic approach in which we're going to have uh, a declaration of interdependence in which I get every kingdom to sign on to it. And so I've gotten... The first of, I think, five cities total that I'll be recruiting. I'll have to double check to make sure that that's right. But um, it's I either have four more to recruit or three more to recruit. And then um, probably whatever the end game is after that. But that narrative alone took probably 10 hours of time. 
total. So I would imagine it's going to be about the same for the uh, following kingdoms as well. I will probably pick it up this week. You're uh, going to sink a lot of time into it. Hopefully uh, this doesn't become the Nino Cooney cast for the next couple of weeks. Cause, like it did the Persona 5 cast? Oh, yeah, I know, but... Uh, I mean, who is complaining, really? <laughs> that was great. <laughs> no, I I think uh, you absolutely should pick it up, and it's totally worth checking out. And I'm kind of worried that it's a really good game, and it's going to take a long time, and so it's going to be something that I talk about a lot, or I'm going to have to like sprinkle playtime with other games in between so I have something fresh to talk about on the podcast. I mean, you know, you, you shouldn't have the, the podcast dictate what what it is you play. Oh, but I do. That's why Darkest Dungeon is incomplete and a bunch of other games. <laughs> As a very short side note, I just started playing Subnautica today with Tiffany watching, and I am fucking terrified of the ocean. Yeah, man. Puffer fish are scary. Oh, that's not what you were talking about? Well, yes, that, that too. Okay. But holy fuck. Uh, Deep water freaks me out. Like... I really respect and appreciate, um, I feel obligated as a biologist, or I shouldn't even say biologist, someone with a uh, heavy background in the biological sciences to appreciate like all sorts of organisms and forms of life and ecosystems and things like that. Like I personally hate mushrooms and really will never eat them if, uh, you know, I can help it. But I respect how like interesting or complex that they are. Like I, I respect the scientific understanding of them. And same thing for the ocean. But like, man, when I go to the beach, I if I can't um be within like a really quick sprint of uh like a really quick uh what it what is that? A freestyle paddle like to shore. Yeah. I don't think I'd be out in, in the water at all. Like I just deep water freaks me out. You ever had you ever had seaweed brush your leg? Uh, I don't think I've ever had seaweed brush my leg, but I've had like horrifying clumps it's of terrible. algae and weird plankton touch my leg when I'm walking in lakes, and that's already yeah. kind of creepy. I mean, Jesus walked on water, sure, but I can jump out of it if I'm if I'm touched by something under the water. I can I can remove my whole body from the from you know the uh, surface of the water. It just freaks me out. So I'm interested to hear how you manage to play that game because I think I'd honestly, even if it's like super mild, I'm pretty sure I'd I'd have some um, night terrors about playing a game, exploring the depths of the ocean or sea. It's even got a VR mode, and I need to see if it is uh, supported by Oculus and Vive. But um, I imagine I would be shitting my pants uh, just because, like, I feel hypersensitive to sounds already to begin with, uh, and the fact that you're underwater, I'm, I'm under the uh the mindset that like they've done a good job of this, but I don't spend a whole lot of time submerged. But as a result, like sounds are amplified and so forth. So you can be out of water and not hear anything, and then go into the water and suddenly hear something right behind you. And Ugh. what doesn't help is because you're on an alien world, granted, they do use like realistic sounds like whale sounds and other aqua- uh, aquatic aquatic life or organic sounds. Um, 
there is like a synthetic soundtrack that comes in and out. And sometimes it's hard for me to differentiate whether or not like this static noise is part of a track or part of something coming to kill me. Oh, yeah. And I'm also just, just a giant baby. No, I totally understand. I remember playing The Long Dark and every once in a while, like I'd get really into the zone normally on my like longer survival playthroughs. So when I was reaching like close to 100 days, I, I would be super, super attentive to any sounds because it's like I got to make it to 100 days. And if a wolf sneaks up on me, it's game over. Like yeah. bad news. So I get that. You get you get in this like hypersensitive um, mindset or headspace. And then what were once innocuous sounds or things that you ignored all of a sudden become like life or death determinations and you're not even sure if they need to be interesting. I'm excited to hear more about it as you have a little bit uh, more experience with Subnautica. <sighs> I'm not looking forward to it. A series of videos, <laughs> or not a series of videos, a uh, YouTuber that I really like to watch for games, uh, The Killian Experience. He does a Subnautica video that's pretty funny and worth worth uh, giving a peek at. Maybe, uh, so I'll, I'll check that out after I finish yeah, the I'll, game, I'll so to speak. It. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't think, I don't know if he actually spoils any story mode stuff. But. I just figure that, like, I'm I'm trying not to look at what, exists in that game so to that's speak. fair that's true okay uh so how do you feel about lovecraftian horrors uh i've said too much okay oh you're you're talking about like the <laughs> monsters i i thought you were yeah. going to drop some crazy news like bloodborne 2 baby oh my gosh um i will do a much better drop job like dropping that bombshell on you if i have the honor to do so uh, so far, so far, no news about Bloodborne two, but uh, Fallout five, apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah, GDC happened Neil. this past week, going seamlessly into news, and with it came a plethora of game announcements and trailers. Uh, did you have any games that caught your eye for uh, GDC? Yes. Mm, let me look at the list here real quick. I, I mean. Metal Goose Solid, I'm going to pick that game up and buy it. I'm already fully aware that I'm going to do that. Um, otherwise, what else do we got? We got, I don't know how to pronounce it, Noita? I'm, I'm assuming Noita. And, and so, for you know our listeners, I, uh, I jotted down a few, uh, a few game titles that seemed interesting to me. Noita in particular is this roguelike rogue light excuse me that seems to have fully interactive environments so every pixel if you will is uh I, the, the the phrase they're using is every pixel is physically simulated oh yeah it it gives me sort of like a very uh Tw a very different twist to what a game like Terraria could end up being like if you focus less on the building and more on the destruct like destruction of environment which like that that's exactly i think what uh what doesn't turn me off from Terraria and games similar to that like Starbound uh cuz that's 
not the right word, but where I get lost within the game is the building and the like at at times the lack of a narrative direction or a a purpose or goal and like having a having more focus on combat and like a magic system um that alone and, and then obviously I have like some sort of preference towards pixel like high quality pixel artwork oh yeah so those pixel, those things all kind of combine together is uh if done right i think such a great um alternative to having like really high quality 3d graphics yeah or absolutely. really anything else like pixel art's wild it's uh it's not something that i think is easy to do either uh which is kind of surprising when you think about it it's it's a um it's a digital rebirth of pointillism which is really cool. This particular game kind of reminds me of Risk of Rain too. Not not oh the system, totally with but the, the uh, art style. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's much more arcane in focus than Risk of Rain, but you definitely get the same kind of vibe. Also, with just uh, I don't know how this spell kit of your like wizard necessarily works, but. Like with a very hectic environment like that, that is reminiscent of Risk of Rain, if only in the sense that you're going to be um, very cognizant of where your uh, player representation or player character is at at all times because they could get just overwhelmed by enemies on screen at pretty much any moment. Uh, the next game that drew my attention was called Minute. M-I-N-I-T. Oh, yeah. I did see um, something about this. I am interested. It's got like the very classic um, Game Boy Legend of Zelda vibes, like Link's Awakening. Um, I'm t- I'm interested in in playing it for sure. I I really like the idea that you're almost playing a super shortened version of. Um... Oh man, what's I'm trying to think of the movie. It it reminds me of Memento, things like this, where you're just like working with the mem- the last memory that you have available or information. You you now essentially are working within this like very small constraint system and trying every permutation or possibility, um, just to kind of like maximize what you're capable of within the world. Because the catch is. You die every minute. Yep. Or you you die every 60 seconds, essentially. And then once you die, your character resurrects and... um, And actually, your character resurrects from, it seems like, uh, a set location. I don't know if your character resurrects, like, in the center of the map, and then you have 60 seconds to travel to one end of the map or another. But um, it's got to be... It's got to be either that you only have one place where you spawn or you set places where you spawn um, with, and then you're able to work within that kind of range, within that minute of time. And, and there's some sort of like retention over what you do because uh, from clips I've seen, you, you, this character is spawning back with their sword and the sword is not an item you start with. So yeah, I'm, I'm genuinely curious. 
It looks like, um, for instance, the character in the the teaser video like waters a plant at one point in time. I think it may be that your actions um, during your life uh, carry over into the next life. So you're not necessarily you're not playing the same frame in time. The next game I had on the list, of course, was the Untitled Goose Game. We've brought that up. Uh, is Zenki Zero. And quite honestly, I, I think this one's getting a free pass because it's made by the developers of Danganronpa. It looks like Danganronpa. But uh, it's essentially a survival game, but more anime. And, uh, and also set to be an RPG as opposed to like a typical... Or I should say it's survival themes. But it apparently takes place in... Uh, the ruins of Earth, uh, where we have eight characters, and uh, that that you switch control of, and each chapter of the game focuses on a different character. What else comes to mind of it? Like it, it also uses the same weird combination of sprite, uh, of or excuse me, pixel art with three dimensional landscapes and flat and, images all together, yeah. just like Animated the Denon robot models. Last one you have down here is Mosaic. I know nothing about it. I think that covers it for episode 61 of Fancy Ramen. You And welcome back to Fancy Ramen, episode 61, part two. I'm Neil. I am the man who needs no introductions. The black guy that's in your party cookie and i'm scott the the black guy in my party like in my rpg party or at my party like my drinking yeah, party a little of both i'm not whenever sure you need him he's there for you beautiful do you also drink of choice is a margarita by hands Oh, I was going to bring over some uh, Stiegel Rattler uh, last weekend. And, oh, yeah, you should have came. It was a good time. You got sick, though. Uh, not from the party. Uh, it was from a previous engagement. Oh, right. But I'm saying I, I would have come over to record, but you got sick. Oh, you're talking about not to the party, to the um actual, like, recording. Yeah. yeah no, I was I was down. <laughs> Uh, it seems, I don't know. I, I've I've heard about a lot of cases of food poisoning recently, so makes me uh not want to eat outside. Yeah, kind of. Uh, Cookie, since you've been out for a couple of weeks, what have you been up to, and what games have you been playing? Well, for those who know me, I have life. I have life. Um, so last weekend, I was not actually, unfortunately, on the podcast because I caught food poisoning from, hence why we're talking about people washing their hands. Yet you still uh, made the episode since this is 61, part two. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Weird time loops and paradoxes. But Oh, man, now, that's going to be so relevant for later. Ooh, I'm kind of curious. Yeah. Uh, but... This week, after catching food poisoning, actually after partying very hard on Easter, Easter Eve, I guess, on that Saturday before Easter, 
catching food poisoning and being down and out, I decided to, I'm not sure if I actually said this before, but I bought the bullet, bit the bullet, and bought a subscription to VRV recently. For anyone who's got a subscription to either uh, Funimation and our Crunchyroll, stop it. Stop it now. Get VRV. VRV gives you access to both of those and the, more? The premium version of both of those and like 17 other random channels. So like Rooster Teeth, uh, Mondo, which I've been like having lots of lots of good luck with on like the shows that they've got and just a bunch of random shit. Oh gosh, words. I can't even think of like all the channels that are on VRV. What's the uh what's the cost differential between let's say your Crunchyroll subscription and this uh VRV? So selection? Crunchyroll Crunchyroll was um 7.99. VRV is 10.99. Oh yeah, that's pretty good if you're getting Okay. It Mondo, Crunchyroll, Funimation, Geek and Sundry, uh, Cartoon Hangover, have, Curiosity yeah. Stream, uh, Rooster Mubai. Teeth, you said, Nerdist, Drama Fever. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff available through this. And like my anime consumption over the week, anime and cartoon consumption over the week have just like skyrocketed. Yeah, you on... won't you won't stop talking about citrus. Should I watch Citrus? Is it any good? <laughs> I, I don't know. I just I was looking at the VRV website. That's vrv.co. You can send your checks to Fancy Ramen. Uh, and notice <laughs> Citrus was the first thing. And it's a it, what looks like a Yuri mature anime. We do, need to, uh, we do need to set up a Patreon so people can actually send their checks to Fancy Ramen. I feel like oh, setting nice. up a Patreon would be a depressing well, this is the worst time for us to do it, too, with uh, our doubling up on episodes and missing release times. Yep, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll find some some regularity again. Yeah, this is the darkest timeline right now for the uh, Fancy Ramen podcast. The timeline where Trump is a president. That, <laughs> that is the timeline that we're Wait, talking you know, about. I that wasn't a fever dream? No. I thought I just got the food poisoning and got sick, and that was just a fever dream. <laughs> no. Um, in the realm of anime, really quickly, I just started watching one called Megalo Box. I don't know if either of you guys saw anything about it. It's about a like mech-based boxing tournament. Where I was about to say, how is that? That's on my um, VRV to watch list. I'm I'm digging it. I haven't even finished the first episode yet, but I kind of like it. It's the usual like scrappy punk from the uh, wrong side of the tracks with his unorthodox boxing style, is going to try and make a name for himself against uh, a elitist-like society that's establishing the world's greatest boxing tournament. Nice. Yeah, it's still getting into the, like, super... Um, like, into the very initial character building and kind of setting... Honestly, um, it's only 18 minutes in on my end. So I I still have uh, to finish the episode before I even know exactly what direction it's ultimately going to take. Oh, but speaking of an I've anime... I've enjoyed it so far. Yeah. Speaking of anime, about knowing what direction it's ultimately going to take, fucking um, Persona 5, the animation, came out last night. 
Well, the first episode, right? The first episode, yes. How is it? Um, I really like it. They've recycled all the music, which is perfect because fuck yeah. And the first episode ends slight spoiler, I guess, with um, what's his your main character taking off his mask. Taking off his mask within the sense of calling out his persona or? Yes, for the first time. So when you're locked in the jail. Okay. I was trying to figure out where it was going to end because I was like, oh, sweet. They made it into what's his name? Castle. Where is it ending? Then it was a little bit of time, but like the free time section. So you know how it's got that one song that do, 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 that one song? that plays whenever you're just like randomly walking around they'll like show flashes of like screenshots of so like when he first gets to town they'll show flashes of screenshots of him like talking to random bystanders to find the find what's his to find mr sakura's house then going to the coffee shop but on like these background pictures you're seeing like characters who are going to be showing up random and in later parts of the anime, and it's kind of amazeballs. Interesting. All in all, I say give it a watch. Yeah, but that's on my list. But um, what I have been up to, pretty much just been working anime, and my car decided to show me all of the oil that was inside of it on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so... Saturday, me and Lizzie uh, decided to go figure out if it was going to be feasible to, for me to get a new car and or repair my current car. Turns out repair costs from two different places would be about three times as much as what my car is actually worth. So how long have you had your car? I've had it for about six years. It's at 157,000 miles, taken it across cross-country a few different times, bought it used from my um, in-laws. Did, uh, did it, did you, oh, okay, never mind, you, that, that answered my question. Yeah, uh, so yeah, it was, um, it's an 04, and been taught six different people how to drive clutch. So, you know, it's it's had a good lifetime. That's kind of what I've been up to, non-gaming related at least. If we want to go into gaming, I guess we can. Not slight. Yeah, not quite yet. That's uh, since I see Scott's been doing a few things outside of the world of gaming. I've had a, a busy and exciting week. But mostly all I wrote down about was... Uh, Watching watching movies. Ooh, what movies did you watch? I watched, uh, well, last night I went and saw Ghost in the Shell, the uh, 1995 original movie. And um, I went and saw Game Night about a week earlier. Which, if you guys, like, I haven't been out to the movies um, too recently, otherwise. And uh, I... I finally got to finish Ghost in the Shell. Last time I tried to watch this was on a snow day a couple years ago, and I slept through the whole movie. Like, I woke up near the end, and I kind of looked around and got my bearings, and then I was like, oh, I can't keep up. So I fell back asleep. So it was nice to uh, watch it again. And um, 
it's also a lot more accessible and less confusing. I think, honestly, after you've watched the uh, maybe the first season of the anime, it gives you, I don't know, some like rudimentary knowledge about the universe that lets you watch the film and be a little less confused about what's going on and focus more on like the, uh, I guess, philosophical propositions that they make throughout the film. See, but, I saw your I saw your note here, and I thought you watched the new Ghost in Shell, and I was kind of curious because I haven't heard anything about it. Oh no, I'm not. I forgot to put 1995 on there. There you go. Well, um, yeah. Now, now you know. So now, if you ask, you're you're just way behind. Um, <laughs> but I enjoyed that, and I also thought about how. Uh, how the animators, when they were actually drawing and uh, animating that film in 1995, must have felt because I bet they were just like blowing their minds over how well they could animate water because there's so much water in that film. And the first thing I thought of is like they probably thought this was the coolest shit they had ever done, um, just with how often they use it. And they have like what I think are panning shots of the. I guess of like some slums in the metropolis or within the city that they didn't necessarily need that were just like gratuitous because they wanted to show off some more of their like artistic ability with this and how like modern and pretty it probably looked at the time. But all in all, good movie. I enjoy, I enjoy the animes more. Um, and there's several reasons for that. I think partially it's because the animes have, a season has a lot more content than a single standalone movie, but I also like um, the dubbed voice actress for the major um, better, and there's obviously more characters all around. It it has advantages being more long form as a TV show, I guess. Um, but Game Night, you guys, Cookie, I feel like you and Lizzie should go see this. It, it was a really good comedy that I saw that's got Jason Bateman and uh, Rachel McAdams. And essentially, they uh, host a game night every Friday night, or I guess every weekend. And uh, they have their group of friends over for the game night. And um, Jason Bateman's older brother, who he has like a complex about, who's he thinks better than him in every way, invites them over for a uh, like super intense game night where he tries to show up any game night they've ever had before. And they're supposed to engage in like a murder mystery that gets staged by uh, a uh, like local company. And then it just kind of goes off the rails from there. And it's a, it's a very funny movie. I enjoyed it a lot. Sierra and I were like moving and wiggling, like wriggling in our seats during some scenes in the movie. Cause we were just so engaged. Except one part was when they were like trying to extract a bullet from somebody's arm, and that was more like trying not to puke more than anything else. But very funny, good humor. It's uh, from the creators of Horrible Bosses, which is also another film that I really liked comedy-wise, and so it's worth checking out if you're interested in a uh, movie night. I think it's it's been out since uh, February, so it'll probably. It'll probably be off the screen soon enough. Sweet. Which means I'll probably be able to see it on at the Dollar Theater. Yeah, pretty soon. Did you only watch it because Rachel McAdams is in it? No. Why, why would I only watch it because Rachel McAdams is in it? 
I I don't know. Okay. Uh, we all know that you actually really like Jason Bateman instead. It's fine. I do actually really like Jason Bateman, but he that doesn't mean I, I don't like Rachel McAdams. I think I think they're both uh, fun actors. Have you seen the movie that he's in uh, with Michael Sarah? No, um, I'm sorry. I'm trying to trying to think. He's a vanilla extract. Uh, oh, extract. Oh, well, that that does it. <laughs> yeah, have you seen extract before, Scott? No, I I actually haven't even heard of it. Oh, it's good. It's real good. Uh, I wish I could sum it up in like one sentence, um, but it he he's like this middle aged guy that is in talks of like selling his extract company or plant or either or, uh, and he starts to become unsure or he he starts to suspect that his wife would cheat on him so he hires like this young like guy to clean his pool but also hit on his wife meanwhile uh he's also falling for uh mia kunis is that her name mila kunis yeah Yeah, this looks like it's it's quite the cast um jason bateman uh mila kunis Kristen wig Ben Affleck, J.K. Simmons. in this? I forgot about that. Yeah. Ben Affleck plays basically himself, which is... As he does in every movie? A drunk, sleazy bartender. Yeah. Yeah. So him in every movie. Yeah, more or less. Except for uh, the the job. No, that's not it. Uh, the movie the he directed and starred in where he's a bank robber. Oh. The town. Dude. Which that that's a pretty good movie if you have not seen it. Uh, yeah, sweet. I saw also saw Game Night and added my name to it because I thought you were talking about our game night that we had. Right. Yeah. We we also had our. Uh, I've hosted uh, both parties D and D first game nights with the campaign I put together, and it's it's very entertaining. But I don't know if there's really much to say about it. What well, character is Cookie? Cookie can go ahead and describe his character for you. Um, my character is a cleric who is kind of moonlighting as a bard who is very, very bi. And he's also a mama's boy. How can you be very bi as opposed to only slightly bi? What's the difference between that? So... I will hardcore hit on the ladies by using my smooth and sensual voice. And then when I'm talking to guys, I'll also, you know, I'll, I'll talk I'll talk a little like this and go, sweetheart, honey, it's okay. So I'll go stereotypical gay and I'll go very, very lady killer. You're willing to please both sides. Oh, God, yes. That is, that is Howard's way of being. <laughs> Howard. Pigs, yeah. Well, I guess that's Howard's way of being. Or you can call me Delandre. Is that Howard's last name? Nope. Is that Howard's his real first name? name? Howard's real name is Delandre, but he, he likes everyone to just call him Howard. And Howard's more of a hugger. While Delandre is not. But I've gotten some pretty pretty interesting ways of casting my um spells. Like yeah, my uh, sacred was... flame is a I'll blow a kiss at a blow a kiss at a character. 
and I forgot what the other thing was that I cast, but I showed my glorious ab muscle. Oh yeah, I don't remember what the spell was cast either, but Cookie, Cookie flexed his abs in order to uh, summon whatever like physical, magical representation of his abs were and projected them outward at an enemy. It was uh, Cookie definitely adds a lot of flavor to the game. That's for sure. Nice. That's what I'm here for. I've I've listened to way too many um bad D&D podcasts and way too many good D&D podcasts to um want to do a D&D game without having all the flavor. Well, everybody else is enjoying it in the party, so I'm not complaining. Good cuz I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do my best to draw it out of them. You'll have to tell me who's male and who's female in our party. Definitely thought Nato was a female. Yeah, um, that's and what Shaka happens Khan when you're trying male. to trying to gender a bird. <laughs> I'm gonna keep gendering that bird female though, until she and our he tells me so. All right. Um, anything you were up to this week, Neil? Mm. Just uh, work recording, and the usual. There's a we're we're now in the finals for League of Legends competitive North American tournament, so that's that's actually happening today. So at some point, I'll be jumping off to watch that much later today we're, or a couple hours. Weren't you going to invite me to a viewing party? We can uh, sit on Discord and eat homemade nachos <laughs> on both ends of the the line, and, and you uh, can tell me about all the things going on, and I can say, okay, I'll shout right. cast it. No, oh, uh, yes. Neil does an Angry Joe impression for the entire uh, entire run of the LCS, huh? Angry I, Joe. Oh, yeah. You no, heard I'm of Angry Joe? Angry Joe? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I will pass. <laughs> I, I watched some competitive Tetris recently, and I kind of asked myself, why, like, do you even need shoutcasters or, uh, you know, uh, whatever you want to call them, in competitive Tetris? Probably not. Yes. Yes. How else will you know what kind of crazy strat they're using? I mean, I they don't even say anything insightful. It's just like, now Cookie's playing pretty pretty uh, passively right now. That might bite him later. Oh, and Tetris to Scott? And yeah, no, you know what? Cookie is usually very... Oh, uh, Tetris to Cookie? Very, uh, you know careful on his play oh tetris to scott and it's like every other second they have to say tetris to so-and-so tetris to such and such triple for what scott. does tetris mean tetris means it's a full five bar clear four bar four bar clear excuse me sorry what's four bar clear mean holy shit i'm so uh unaware of the lingo in this so so you know the the like the one piece that's the line the health bar yeah <laughs> pretty much the health bar if you drop it vertically and use the entire health bar to clear out your thing, it's called a Tetris. Oh, wait. No, I'm still confused. Let's I'm not gonna worry oh about it. <laughs> you know, you know, you know Tetris, honey. Yes. And sweet. You know how the, they've got the different shapes? Yeah, and when the long shape drops into the single spot, then that bottom panel disappears, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you drop the long, long, long one and the entire, and you drop and clear all four, it's called a Tetris. 
Only reason oh, I know okay. this is because I play Poyo Poyo Tetris every once in a while still. Gotcha. Well, speaking of games you should be playing, Cookie, uh, I think Neil and I tried to make a case earlier for you to play Oxenfree. And just in case you weren't going to, I went ahead and played it pretty much start to finish over the uh, beginning of this weekend. So I put in that initial 20 minutes that I think I talked about, I guess the way that these recordings are going to be put together earlier in the podcast in the first half. Um, And within our short break, I was able to finish the entire game in about another five hours. So... I don't know if we're uh, going to put this up as a Let's Play, but it could make for a really good one. Um, and I don't want to spoil it either, but it's we we should talk about it in the limited capacity we can, Neil, if, uh, if you're okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I guess it boils down to if this is something that, Cookie, if you want to play it on air, so to speak. You guys are you guys are killing me. You're like play it on air. Then you're like we're gonna do a we're gonna do a thing about it. <laughs> play it on air. Well, uh, it's something that we could do next weekend if you're interested in in it. Because uh, assuming you have like a day that you can you can spare for it, uh, it's not a very long game. Although there is potential to want to replay it a second time. I'll say that much as well. Yeah. Okay. Um so yeah, uh let's do that and also I still haven't beat a way out, so I'll probably dip out for your spoilers conversation. I already had it, so you're fine. Oh, perfect. Cause, so is that a game that would justify a let's play? So I'm doing one with Keith and John right now on that particular game. So I you should just keep playing it with your brother. In fact, the f- since you started it with your brother, you should keep playing it with him, uh, if possible. And if not, that'd be a good game to play with the wife. Okay, because I started it with Lizzie too, but we've been kind of busy on other things, like watching anime. And yeah, I guess I guess yeah, I have been doing that with her, kind of. I haven't really been watching anime with her. I've just been binging all the anime about myself. <laughs> anyway. Oxen free. Hit me with your best shot, Scott. Yeah, remaining free spoiler is, free. Yeah, I can keep it spoiler free for the most part. Oxen free is a uh, beautifully designed um, game, both graphically and sonically, that has you play as the protagonist Alex as she goes to a place called Edwards Island um, for a evening partying on the beach with her closest friend, Ren, her new stepbrother, Jonas, whom she's just getting to know, and then uh, two other friends of theirs that uh, aren't aren't exactly... I guess I shouldn't say friends of theirs. Two other people that they know as they um, encounter some spooky... I guess some spooky circumstances dealing with radio waves and uh, caves on the island. Doesn't you it, essentially... Go ahead. Oh, Doesn't it kind of feel like it came out... It, it's weird because the way they tell the story, it feels modern and it feels fresh. But at the same yeah. time, it feels like you're watching a 70s... Or not 70s, excuse me, like a 90s 
uh, teen movie plot at the same time. I mean, they don't. Yeah, they don't have. Um, they don't have cell phones, I think, or they don't have cell phone service. Right. I think that's and the I case. I don't. Yeah, it's probably cell phone service. But um, it definitely gives, and I think a lot of actually, a lot of places that are, um, you know, outside of like large cities and whatnot can often all of a sudden revert to having that simpler time feeling because in all honesty, they don't have necessarily the infrastructure where a huge abundance of technology is around. In this case, for the island, the island had some significance to World War II, which later becomes somewhat relevant to the story as you're using um, radio waves in order to like learn about locations on the island and um, solve puzzles. So it's the island is, is a, uh, it's sort of like a national park or a uh, historic landmark in which uh, it is preserved and therefore there isn't the same amount of modernization that you would expect out of other locales. But the characters all feel, you know, very, very modern in um, just how they're, I guess, how they're portrayed and how they interact. They, they feel very... Um, of of our generation or time in how they uh talk through dialogue and interact and what they do um but it doesn't really matter what the time period is with this i think like as long as it's far enough forward in time from world war ii uh that the island has had some time to kind of become closed off from you know regular tourist visits and whatnot that allows the narrative to progress in the direction that the the writing intends so it's just a really really good game when it comes to pretty much i i can't think of any arguments uh or things that i really disliked about the game besides having difficulty moving around sometimes like every once in a while I'd get stuck trying to move on a pathway. The art is very stylized. It's a little, um, it's a little blurry almost in a sense. Like it's got a lot of lighting effects going on probably on multiple layers for it. And so every once in a while when I'd be trying to follow a trail, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to be hitting like up arrow on my keyboard or I guess this is WASD, so W or A. Like I I'm not sure. Am I supposed to be pushing further upward or left to get around this like sharp hairpin corner? But besides that, um all the mechanics are really smooth and very simple. You really only have a couple of uh actions you can take, which is to interact with objects using spacebar or interact with situations. You have um I believe my favorite way to use it was shift on my mouse to pull up your radio and then you can use the scroll wheel to navigate the uh, channels and then control to pull up your map which will give you very basic objectives and account of a particular um, type of bonus I guess uh, bonus items that you can that you can find and interact with I don't know. How does that sound, Neil, for remaining spoiler-free so far? Yeah. 
that sums I don't, it up. I don't even want to spoil the premise of the game. Like I went into it thinking it was going to be mostly about like the social interaction of these characters, and um, there was just going to be some like pretty intense dialogue between the exchange of them, and that would be it. But the actual motivator for the uh, for the game and the adventure that is Oxenfree doesn't come for a little while into the game. Maybe for me, at least thirty minutes or so. If you're if you're trying to soak up all the conversations that happened previously, just and like, then it just goes on this wild ride. Just like any good uh, teen teenage coming of age movie, I think uh, when the characters and when the viewer realizes that they're in way over their heads, I think that's that that's like the notable point to the story. Yeah, and it just sneaks up on you, like all of a sudden you realize that things are upside down from what you expected, and uh, that's when the game really starts to get good. And it was drawing me in before that even, just with it having an excellent soundtrack and the radio mechanic being somewhat interesting. So yeah. you, you, should, you should play it, Cookie. I, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing your thoughts about it once you've played it. And I'd love to talk um, in the spoilers territory once you're finished too. Because I think there's a lot to talk about the end of this game once it's completed. Sweet. Yeah, I definitely want to play it. I just need to figure out how I'm going to play it. Gotcha. I.e. in the form of a let's play or if I'm just going to take some time for myself. Mm-hmm. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. So what have you been playing, Cookie? Well, a little game that came out recently that I talked about a little bit ago. Terra came out on the PS4, and I have been just gobbling as much content of that up. It kind of replaced my Monster Hunter, sadly. I am on a PvP server. Unfortunately, Neil, the um, class that I'm using has to be a female. Sure. Unfortunately. Otherwise, I would have loved to have built a Monkey D. Luffy because the class is a brawler class. So two-handed fist weapon is its um is her class uh weapon type and like one of the first moves she unlocks is pretty much the um uh, gumu gatling so lots of punches but yeah but unfortunately she is not she cannot be a fe- she cannot be a male she has to be a human and has to be female so we tried, um, but I've really been enjoying the Brajibers out of that. I'm on a PvP server right now, and not sure when they're going to unlock PvP, which is kind of weird. So like, you can wander around the worlds and not have to worry about, um, you know, getting ganked by random people. So it's kind of nice, but also kind of defeats the purpose. I have also been playing uh, Montana Five. Just a little bit of that, and every time I actually do turn that on, I'll be streaming it. It also sounds like it's uh, dissuaded you from coming to visit me for a while. Um, yes, Montana is a very dangerous place, and I don't think I've got the... Um, for the same reason, I will not go to the Pacific Northwest. I will not survive the long dark. I probably won't survive Montana 5 either. 
but I have really been enjoying like some crazy butt mechanics of this game. Um, like all of a sudden, I hear after progressing for so long in the story mode, I hear over the radio they're like, "Hey, oh, and this character that I'm playing is also a female." But I hear, "Hey, it's sheriff hunting time. Don't kill her. Just just capture." And I was like, eh, psh, everyone I've been I've been going after people and I've been playing this game on easy, so I ain't got nothing to worry about. All of a sudden I get hit with a bliss bullet and the sides of my vision start going black. And eventually I just kind of pass out. And I'm like, shit, I died. And the next okay. thing you know, I wake up in the middle of this torture chamber and it's like the starting point of the next mission. And I was like, oh, that's actually really cool. There's a wonderful video on YouTube that I'll have to find for you guys about this guy. He's like saying, what's their strat? Because he's like, he's on his way to a mission in an Apache attack helicopter. And he's like, oh, it's sheriff hunting season. Man, what's their strat going to be? You know, it'd be really weird if all of a sudden I'm like, look down and there's this guy with this bow and arrow and he shoots me. And next thing you know, I pass out and I'm in the thing. All of a sudden you hear this sniper bullet hit him and then his vision goes black. And he's like, oh. <laughs> but I find that to be like a really interesting way to start a mission. Like the first time it happens to you, though, it's kind of terrifying. You're like, shit, I just died. Man, that was a really tough enemy I was fighting, apparently. But yeah, uh, Montana 5, it's really pretty. I don't want to spoil anything really story-wise, but pretty much you're going out into the middle of the Midwest with white people, and white people are being white people, and they white people it up. Scott, how do you feel about white people eating it up too often? Like me personally, or just white people in general? You personally. I think I do okay on my end. I mean, I'm not going to uh, proclaim to be like absolutely uh, on point with how how often I am white people, but <laughs> I'd, I'd like to think that I keep it under control for the most you part. You don't commit genocide uh, too often. Holy shit. Okay, <laughs> if we're talking about that level, I do an amazing job at uh, <laughs> like reeling it back. You do I mean, a great job holding back the genocide. Yeah. Um I it those urges, they're tough, but but I've found a way. You know, I've my moral compass is very strong. Glad um, to hear it. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, that just just seeing uh like watching this game and, and kind of having a vague idea about uh the impressions it's giving people about Montana. I don't know. I, I don't know actually how I feel about it really, because there are days where I'm out here and I'm like, eh, this is closer to Far Cry 5 than I'd really appreciate. <laughs> and other days it's like, no, you know, it's really nothing like that. So you I mean, kinda, there aren't just random bear attacks. There are, but they're very <laughs> rare. Um, they're super rare. You You got to like, that's the one nice thing about actually being in a uh, in an environment that really has so much uh, like human interaction with other animals. It's uh, one of those things where there's a lot of information available to anybody, like 
if you go to hike a trail and there are even bears that could be in the area, there's like essentially posters and pamphlets up about warning signs of bears and where bears have been last spotted and what to do if you encounter a bear, like all on the bulletin board before you even start. So pretty responsible about that. And actually, I want to ask, like, what's the worst animal you've had to fight in that game? Because I know that there's honey badgers, I think, or wolverines, and there's skunks, and there's bears. Are moose in it? Because moose are mean motherfuckers. There are moose, but the moose in this are, at least from the moose I've encountered. I actually have not encountered a moose. I've seen videos of moose. They seem to be pretty docile in this. That's good. I mean, lucky for you, moose aren't actually so nice if you infringe on their space but um no a moose is one of the most dangerous animals known to god yeah just because of how weird they look and how people take them not so seriously i found an easter egg sweet you found an easter egg in far cry you found an easter egg in your home in my home (laughs) we had a drunk easter egg hunt so we would do a round of people grabbing Easter eggs with a little thing inside them to tell them to take, like, what kind of drink. And then they would hide the Easter eggs, so we're still locating Easter eggs. I just found one. Good spot. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, so far, the most dangerous animal I've had to face is a bear. And the only reason it was the most dangerous animal I had to face is because I wasn't expecting it. Because I was in the middle of talking to like a bystander, like at the shop, and next and, thing you know, you hear a "Oh no!" <laughs> and then he's being murdered by a bear. <laughs> yeah, they they really sneak up on you. They're you know several hundred pounds of weight, crunching leaves and twigs, and they're heavy, ragged breathing. They just you know blend right in with the babbling brooks and the swaying trees, and all the helicopters. Yeah, have you unlock air travel pretty uh, early in the game? Oh god, there's like helicopters and airplanes just everywhere. Just everywhere. That's also not that far from uh, from reality. There's a guy who's been restoring an airplane in his front yard um, on one of our main streets. And I see the plane like get a little bit more restored or uh, have another piece tacked onto it every couple of days. So that's actually that's a real aspect. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I am actually thoroughly enjoying it. I had to download it on the uh, main PlayStation Four, and I want to actually get Lizzie to start playing it so that way we can um, co-op it up because I figure the more the merrier. Just make sure that she has the uh, necessary mobility equipment. I was watching a video of some guys who were climbing a mountain, and one of them didn't have the parachute or paraglider or whatever. So, <laughs> and he, I don't think he could descend the mountain very easily. So he had to uh, die while the other player was gliding down, and then he respawned on top of the parachute of that player. So he was standing on top of it as they both floated down to the bottom of the mountain. So what you're saying is, no, make sure she doesn't have a parachute so that way we can recreate these beautiful moments. Yeah, trap Lizzie on the mountaintop. Nice. 
besides Montana Five, which I'm thoroughly enjoying, and Terra Terra on the PS4, which I'm also thoroughly enjoying, I've actually started playing uh, PUBG lately. It recently released on Android and iPhone, I guess, and so I've kind of been um pretty much just playing at least one round a night. It's been it's full of scrubs, just full of scrubs. People haven't quite figured out how to like aim, strafe, and shoot at the same time yet. So I feel as if I've got a, a heads up on the um, community right now. I've had uh, three chicken dinners and two losses so far. That's pretty good. And like I was like the first time I even got on there, I came in second because I wasn't still wasn't sure of what I was doing, but I averaged around eight or nine kills a game. Getting spicy. Yeah, it's it's full of scrubs. I love it. Do you notice um, any uh, any cheaters? Uh, not that I've noticed, but I could I wouldn't know how to tell if there were cheaters besides like. If someone had like a super shitty connection that was suspiciously shitty, but the um ping and like the lag tends to not be that bad. I think most people are either on three G or Wi Fi. And I unfortunately have lost my Bluetooth controller that I actually have for a phone. So I do want to find that, pull it out, and try PUBG with that to see if that, you know, makes everyone even scrubbier because it's pretty much an Xbox 360 controller, but for a phone. Nice. That's that's what I've been doing all week. So I've uh, I've played one new game or one game I can speak about to some degree since uh, our last recording, and that would be Persona 3 Portable, uh, and I'm playing that on the Vita or the PlayStation TV specifically. Um, I had heard in the past from a few different people that this game was more or less just a glorified uh, visual novel, and that definitely rings true a lot, unlike uh, Persona 4 Golden, where you know the Vita at that point is more than capable of recreating a PlayStation 2 game. Um, Persona 3 Portable on the, on the PSP instead, they really did have to cut some corners uh, to make the game like feasible in that format. Like you no longer have free access or reign over moving around in environments. Instead, the uh, the environments and maps are basically set out to be kind of like large still images that you navigate around with a cursor, and uh, using um, basic menu options to change what location in the city you're in. Uh, but the dungeons are a little more traditional to the original game, uh, and maybe the other thing that kind of makes me sad that it's not in some different format is that uh most of the cutscenes like the animated uh cutscenes have been replaced with still image with narration and then you also have all of the uh or the the other cutscenes have been turned into uh sit like I guess you could say like scripted events that happen within the battle screen, if you will. So it uses like the battle sprites and so forth. Um, although I, I guess I can't, I can't really say it hurts the experience all that much unless this were the, would be the first time you'd play the game uh, or any version of 
Persona 3. I'm playing with the female protagonist because I've heard that she's a lot more likable and maybe a little easier to connect to than the male protagonist. And it's kind of it's kind of refreshing having a character that seems like a little more social and outgoing compared to like the very quiet reserved uh Makoto, I guess, would be the the male character. I think that's really all I have to say about that game for now. Um not the best way to play Persona 3, but it's an interesting take for anyone that's played the original before. Uh, as for news, we talked a little bit about some things that happened last week. Uh, this week, though, or for this portion of the episode, I did want to bring up the Switch update. Or word about the Switch update, basically bricking systems that have been using third-party docks and chargers. Uh, Cookie, you brought this to our attention before... Uh, have you uh, have you read any follow-ups on this? I have not. I barely remember bringing it up to your attention. I was kind of dying when I did. <laughs> I was. I. I think I vaguely read. Slow news week, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't see anything on the news." Oh, switches are switches are breaking. Here's an article. I'll send it to him. Good night. Um, but no, I have not. Um, I do see here that they did a 5.0.1 update recently. Uh, but I don't think, from the last time I read the article, it sounded like Nintendo wasn't going to do shit about this uh, bricking consoles thing. Because they're like, hey, use use official Nintendo things. We can't test for everything, guys. Even though it's a uh, Nokia, Nyko a big third-party company that the Switches are breaking for. Uh, but did you have an update for that? Yeah, basically, I, you, you said the big thing, which is Nintendo is more or less saying don't don't buy third-party docks. Seems kind of... Cop-outy? Yeah. But I think a lot of it's coming from the fact that, you're like, yes, the... Uh, there's a reason why you can't use just regular cables into regular wall warts for uh, to charge the switch because it's pulling a different voltage than like most devices using a USB C connector. Um, but I don't know. I'm I'm really hoping that Nintendo ends up making a new dock or a solution for people that don't want to have it in like that confined that confined dock that they have the official dock. Uh, granted, I've never had an issue with the Switch overheating, but I've heard that has been a thing for many players and people that probably play their Switch far longer in far longer intervals than I have. Which, like, it's not that unrealistic to imagine me doing that, um, because I, you know, I've played like my PlayStation Four at like seven, eight hour intervals in the past. But, yeah. So that just a PSA sense. out there, if uh, if you have considered, or are, if you're currently using third-party docs, you may want to switch back to your original, and you may even want to be careful about using USB-C connectors or extensions to get it outside of the dock itself, because I've read posts reporting that even those solutions have been bricking their systems too. Oh, I did not know that, but yeah, yeah that's actually really good to know. In other news, and more exciting, less bricky news, uh, Call of Duty World War II is getting an update that's coming out uh, on Tuesday alongside the new uh, DLC release. 
that's pretty much changing the game. Ooh, excuse me, I had to sneeze there. Um, basically, they're reworking all of the divisions, and a bunch of basic trainings are also being reworked, so that's going to be like your perk system. And they're also reworking how a lot of the guns work. So before, like, say, if you're using the infantry division, any kind of um, rifle that you would use, you got a bayonet with, but only for the infantry division. Or, I guess, the more, I guess the more, uh, like, commonly, more common use thing is you had to be using the... Airborne Division, the running gun division, in order to get uh, silencers on your SMGs and pistols. SMGs, actually, were the only thing that had silencers. Now, all SMGs and all pistols will have the silencer option for an attachment. All LMGs are going to have bipod. If you're using a sniper, you got you have the ability to hold your breath. You don't need to be using that specific um, division skill. There's a lot that's changed. So on Tuesday, we are getting Call of Duty World War II 2.0, I guess, is how I'm kind of kind of reading it, how like crazy the changes are going to be of this game. I'll have more on that, you know, on Tuesday after the, I guess next week when the actual um, event is out and I've had a chance to play a little bit. I'm excited about some of the changes. Not so excited about some of the changes, but you know, you're take probably good with bad. most upset about the uh, Car 98K and M1903 quick scoping nerf. Oh God, why do they have to nerf the quick scoping? Oh, is don't they know that quick scoping is life? I'm reading these, and <laughs> I honestly don't know what ADS stands for as a uh, aim acronym. down sight. Aim down sight. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're doing a lot with the uh, aim downside adjustments on pretty much every category of gun, then mm-hmm. uh, either buffing or nerfing. No, oh, yeah, it's um, it's gonna be kind of crazy. That's all I really cared about enough to even mention news wise. <laughs> and since we're piggybacking this off of our first recording last week. Maybe that's a good point to call it quits on this episode of Fancy Ramen. Do you, uh, I, I guess if rather before we go, if you have comments, questions, or concerns, you can write into podcast at fancyramen.com. That's you, Scott. Oh, I get, I get the rest of this. Okay, cool. Um, wait, what's left? Oh my gosh. Uh, please tell a friend about it. Oh, did we do we are we haven't done like Luckily, subscribe you can, or do whatever yeah, you can, it is that you do. You can edit all of this, yeah. Like, subscribe, leave <laughs> us a review on uh iTunes or Apple Podcasts, wherever you find us. But most importantly, please share with a friend how um abysmally bad I messed up this last part of the uh podcast and make sure they listen through the whole thing. So that way, because the suspense, the buildup makes exactly. it all worth it. Yeah, just tell them that there's an event that they can't miss in it, and hopefully, within that period of time, they'll get hooked on the podcast and they'll become a regular listener. Um, and if not, just try again later. Just just keep recommending it. So, we appreciate any word of mouth that gets spread about the podcast. Mm, spreading mouths and words. I'm podcast. Neil. 
I'm Scott. I'm Cookie. Oh, I'm Cookie. Hi. And I'm out of here. Later.